Well, hello. Welcome to Roadmap in Your Life with Heather Mahoney. Well, well, welcome, welcome, welcome to Roadmap in Your Life with Heather Mahoney. How's everyone today? It's a very happy Tuesday. And Mary L.K. Matthews is supposed to be here today, but I think she's running late. But in the meantime, I have found some fascinating stories about divorce stories, advice, and support on Facebook. I was blown away to some of the things that I see or I read online about women as they struggle to go through this particular challenge in their life at the moment. You know, the roadmap our lives are so different and each of us travel a different path every day to get where we want to go but you know sometimes we got to take a little bit of a detour to actually find our destination so let's read a little bit of some of the stories that they these women have been walking through as they go through through their particular roadmap. So here's one. Some of these are pretty long. I'm not the best of readers, but let's figure this out. So how do you deal with your ex manipulating your children so they feed him all sorts of information about you? My ex got my son a phone and says that Since I don't pay for it, I have zero rights to access my nine-year-old phone. Wow. You know, my ex did not do any of that. There was no manipulation of my son in any. There was a little, but we didn't go that far, thank goodness. He lives with me 90% of the month. I know that he has told my son through text and not to engage with me at all or to ignore me. He is trying to dictate rules in my house, and he's still accessing my doorbell camera and borderline harassing me about anyone at my house when I'm coming and going and even down to to talking about what I wear now. I haven't been able to secure any representation yet, so I feel as if I'm stuck. Okay, ladies, do you feel that any of this may apply to you? I'm not giving any names or anything like that or where the stories come from. 
but sometimes it's a little bit challenging when we have to deal with the ex-husband about things that may may be happening or they may be trying to manipulate the situation in their favor. And, you know, I can say from my personal experience, I know when I was first getting my divorce, my biggest challenge was how was I going to continue to provide for my son and for me financially, emotionally, and that was a big challenge. And I, some of these stories are very difficult and they bring back, they bring up memories that are, oh, wow. Wow, I empathize with that young lady. I empathize with their stories of of being in a relationship with that man for 20 years, 30 years, 15 years. It doesn't matter, but it it is so emotionally raw to have to deal with it. If you're in your 40s, your 50s, or your 60s, and you've been married to this person for a great portion of your life, and all of a sudden you have to figure out health insurance, how to live, where to live, income, job situation. You may not have worked for a long time. That is scary and we have to do that oh and must we not forget how do we restart a relationship with a new man in our life hmm a little bit challenging and different right so these are some of the questions and things that we're going through and at the same time we see our former spouse, they may have started a new relationship and they seem to be having a very easy time of it. Wow. Imagine that. We don't even have to imagine it. My little business partner is getting busy and he's coming over so that he can hang out with me. You can't see him, but this is my four-legged friend, Henley. Henley and I have been best friends now for almost four years, and we love hanging out with each other. All right, let's see another challenge. Okay, Mary's coming. You know, 
I have a saying in life that we don't have to worry about timing. Everything is just right when it's supposed to be. And when we get to where we're supposed to be and it's right, it is so right. So all is good. Nothing bad. Yeah. Um, so let's find another story as we go through some of these things. Oh, by the way, uh, we're almost ready for Eagles concert weekend, March 1st, 2nd. I think it's the third. I don't remember. I know. I, I you know. I have to go to Orlando to, um, and it's a two-day trip, so I may not be here because I'll be living in my passion. Okay, here comes Mary. Hi. Hey there, Mary. How are you? Hi. How are you? I am terrific. Happy pre-Valentine's Day. You too, you too. I I I was just talking about some of the challenges some of the women I see here are facing as they exit their relationship and they're trying to redesign their life in various capacities. Some may have children, some may some children are grown. Some are trying to figure out insurance, job situation, uh, the spouse having a new girlfriend. It's amazing. It's amazing what we go through as we redesign our lives after ending of a relationship or career stop, health or financial challenge or a loved one. So um, we have no predefined find questions here. We just take our story as it is and expand on it, explore. You talk about whatever it is that you want to talk about. And if if we if you don't want to talk about that particular subject, we just change it. How's that? That sounds good to me. <laughs> all right. Um, especially since I'm kind of going through all of that right now. So. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so... How long were you in your relationship? Um, well, the <laughs> two parter. So, um, I was I would say the beginning of twenty twenty I actually ended a uh engagement with a long, long time on again, off again, um relationship spanning over a decade. Um, probably end of 2019, actually. And then um, into, I would say, mid-2020, summer. It was like mid-summer of 2020. I was in a relationship for three years. Um, and the next three years. And um, it, it, I during that time, the first half of it was great. The second half of it, definitely not. Um, I was basically alone. I was going through uh, life-altering changes, accidents, strokes, 
temporarily lost my eyesight. Um, I had I had never been arrested or anything. I even, you know, got arrested because I got stopped at a checkpoint for my license. I didn't know it was suspended. Um, was treated horribly. And because I, at the time, was like hyper-independence, I, I, you know, I continued on and started a, a whole other business the next day. <laughs> oh, wow. um, and, yeah, never gave my, you know, myself any time to uh, fix because I, you know, I, although I had done a business conference years prior teaching how to be past the survivor's mentality, I think, in that mode, everything came back and kicked in and it was just, you know, it was just the mode I was now operating in. Um, I first became an entrepreneur uh, fully uh, back in, I would say, probably 2017. 2016, I had gotten back into wardrobe styling um, for, you know, theater, short films, you know, uh, photo shoots, et cetera. And then, 2017, I had uh, started my first business um, completely on my own. And so up until that point of, you know, that uh, that arrest I had, um, I you know, I had been surviving, you know, taking care of my parents who ended up disabled and one passed and taking care of their kids, taking care of, you know, their the kids' kids. Um, and, you know, God kids just, I was just always that person there for everybody, and then I would suffer and go through things alone. So I learned early on that I had to survive. Um, and then, you know, after that three-year relationship and me going through all of those things, I hit rock bottom in the midst of that relationship, and that person couldn't handle it and, you know, ultimately decided to bail. Um and as he bailed, I was now facing this very crazy heart surgery that had a lot of complications, went septic, almost passed, couldn't even walk, all these things. Um, during that time, you know, I was just clawing my way back to some type of stability. Um, fast forward over a year, I was single, and then I entered into a short-lived, but I would say... Um, very potent and powerful romance that just ended uh, less than 24 hours ago. So, um, so I am literally uh, still facing issues in therapy two to three times a week at this point, um, but still having to go forward in in my career and doing, you know, doing gigs and. Uh, doing seminars and taxes and everything that I can to make sure me and my adoptive daughter is is okay. Um, a lot of the mental health issues came during that battle in in game uh, in going through the adoption process with her um, mm-hmm. to get her. Um, and you know, I, I, I'm still standing. Sometimes I say barely, but by the grace of God, I, I'm here. You know. Like Mary, I, um, I took in you. one of my goddaughters. I Thank applaud you. <laughs> you because I'm at a loss for words to say how much I admire your strength, your persistence, your drive, and your 
your grit. Because Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, sometimes women, they take so much time, energy to focus on everyone else around them to make sure that they thrive while we ourselves are like crumbling inside but uh, we're going to let the world know we're not weak and we're not strong and we have this great persona that we show to the world that we we have it we're strong and you know in in and in my head, all I'm thinking is like, oh, wow. You know, we just, we, I'm not, let me just say this. I, when something similar, not as much as what you went through, I was thinking, I'm not looking for someone to save me. I'm just looking for someone to go through the process with me. Because it's right. so much e- it's so much easier just to have someone just to you know share what's going on and to say, hey, here and there I just need a hug. And yeah, and so so that's my admiration for you that all of this you were still more concerned with what the other person needed versus what you may need. And I hope that you find um, that. It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I it, thought it, I found it. I really did um, with the gentleman that uh, we should break up uh, yesterday. Matter of fact, Sunday night, I think it was. Um, and, you know, I thought I, thought I found that. Um, and... Uh, you know, I, I didn't, but <laughs> I didn't. Uh, so, but you know, being strong to me is not a com. It, you know, it's no longer a compliment. You know, we we end up as women being so resilient and 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 strong and 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 having to survive because simply because we have to. It's not something we wanted to do. You know, um, right. we get complimented on having to be these things that I I personally think we shouldn't have to be, but. Life uh, kind of dealt it that way, and now I have to, you know, raise this little girl that I took in, and, you know, I love her. I've had her since she was a baby, but um, since she was, like, one going on two, and um, she's seven now, and having to answer certain questions and hide certain things is a little harder now, and um, I'm navigating that space now, you know. How do I tell her that... uh, she has to keep going through this pain that I'm sad, but, you know, I can't, I can't be sad because, you know, I still have to keep going. I still have to keep trying to figure life out and provide and make sure she's happy and try to find the happy and the joy again and the peace and, you know, not stay brokenhearted, you know? Right. I don't know. Like a little bit of me gets chipped off. Right. But you know what I learned in my process of this? was that when I'm okay, when I'm happy, my son was happy. 
night. And um, and I was I was very honest with him um, when things weren't going well. You know, I was like, I would say things are not going well at the moment. <laughs> Doesn't they're not going to stay this way? But but here's the story. I remember when um, the ex had left and. Um, my car wasn't working the best. I live in South Florida, and if you've ever been in South Florida, mm-hmm. it's just hot, <clears throat> crazy, insane hot. And yeah. in the in the middle of summer, I I didn't have all the resources to fix the AC. <laughs> so so I would take them up from summer camp, and it would be so hot. We would stop off at the um, ice cream parlor place and get ice cream because it was so hot and it was cooler outside. But it, it was insane. So today, you know, um, he's now in college. Um, I bought him a brand new car when he started college, and and we laugh. And I had a not a brand new car, but I had a almost new car. And we laughed mm-hmm. that we both have AC, and we remember the days when in the summertime when we had no AC and it was so hot. We were like, but. You know, it gets better. Mm. And, you know, for me, it got better when I focused and when I wrote down where mm. I wanted to be and put my energy towards that. Right. You know, so I, I know it will get better for you and your daughter. And, you know. Thank you. you. I mean, she's a happy child. You live in a. I fought and clawed my way back to um, us being able to have a space of our own. We're in a good apartment. You know, she's in a decent school. You know, um, she has her own room now. You know, I was looking for a place big enough for us. And, you know, we're not at rock bottom. I'm not at rock bottom. But, you know, I can say through a journey, especially when you decide to become an entrepreneur and you're a single mom and, you know, you have health issues and, you know, you're kind of that person in the family that takes care of everyone, that entrepreneur journey is very, very, very difficult. <laughs> and I've, I've hit highs. I mean, highs are highs. And, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And then I take the lows of the lows and you're like, wait a second. Like, I'm, I'm it's not like I, I'm not the – most accomplished in the world, but I've accomplished so much. I've done some smart and this. How did I get here? You know, how did I get here? Um, and it was that clawing, that surviving that, you know, really kept pushing me, my determination to not let anyone take me out. But it does chip away at you. You do, you know, get a little weaker as you keep going, and then you have to readjust. And I've had to, I had to teach myself that there was another side to the coin other than surviving, that thriving side, you know, that, Right. Side where you learn to work smarter and you, you know, pay it forward to others. And so that's where I'm trying to stay at no matter what comes my way now is the other side of that coin, the thriving side, helping others, you know, uh, just trying to get not the soft life, but, you know, just uh, at least close to it. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, let me ask a question. So what are the, as you, because you, I don't know if you're conscious of it, but you actually redesigned your life. 
And this show is all about redesigning your life and, and, and sharing the how. So what are the three most important things that you've learned so far in redesigning your life? Mm. Um, one being that um, gaining and protect is one thing to gain uh, inner peace is another thing to protect it um, I learned that sometimes protecting your peace sticking to your boundaries in order to ensure a healthy household can be a lonely road um, I started to learn, um, you start to see who loved you because they needed you and who actually loves you and wants you to win. Um, and they were, those were both very, uh, very important defining moments. And then you start to learn that, um, all this time you knew you were strong, you knew you could, because you survived, right? But it takes a certain type of, strength that, you know, um, I didn't know I had to actually redesign the life to say, okay, I don't want this in my life anymore. It, it, it hasn't served me well. It, it's killing me, and I don't want this for uh, my daughter. Um, I want to be able to live, you know. And to redesign your life when you make that decision, it, it, it actually became harder at first. So it took a different type of strength now because now you're at the point where I'm sick and tired. I don't have any more, you know, blows to give or blows to take. I need to change my life. Um, and I learned that it took, it took, a, it took a, a certain type of mental strength and emotional strength that I, I just didn't know I had. And, um, so it, what, it, was, what was that emotional strength that you didn't know you had? Um. I would say that it was maybe realizing what was most important to me in this life, you know, coming through, you know, the brink of death so many times. I mean, I literally, you could have an hour show on on how many times that's happened to me alone. Um, This final time, it kind of like something woke up in me. and was just like, okay, um, if I don't do this, you know, where will I be? And I got to the point where I genuinely wanted to live and realize that my actual fear, even though we all say we have fears, but my actual fear was being on my deathbed and then having so many things unfinished and having so many things of regret and not being able to, make sure that this little girl who didn't choose anything, didn't even choose to be with me, uh, wasn't taken care of. And so I just pulled whatever I could. It seemed like whatever emotions I had left, and I used that to say, to stand firm and say, um, this is what I'm going to do. And realizing that I'm, okay, I'm enough. I deserve this. Because before, I, I didn't think I deserved any of this because I felt like, okay, I was dealt this hand, you know, uh, I grew up in the church, and, you know, the the biggest thing that they teach you is to be in servitude of others and to never never think that it can't be you or that you're owed anything or you deserve anything. And so I didn't think I deserved anything. I didn't think I was owed anything. Um, 
So I think realizing my worth, realizing what true self-love is, because I used to think I did, but, you know, I'm like, why would I allow myself to go through this if, if I really loved myself? Um, and loving, and if I didn't love myself, loving her enough to, to get through it. And so I honestly don't know where the emotional strength necessarily came from or what it was, but I would say all of these things kind of contributed to, to pulling it out of me. Well, you know what? I think when one almost crosses from this to the next world, I think a lot of things become very true for us. And we take stock of who we are and what we are. And there are certain things that were once acceptable are no longer acceptable. And I, I, I think that's what I heard. I think you became very authentic mm. and loved yourself. And that's powerful. Super powerful. And... um So there's several times that you almost, you know, went the other way, and the last time was said, I've had enough. So so here's a good question for you, two questions, because you mentioned one about Mm self-love. How do you now celebrate your progress? I'm not going to say your accomplishment. How do you celebrate mm. the progress that you are making? Um, sometimes I have to, like, actually stop myself um, and remind myself and kind of, you know, say, okay, wait a minute. You know, you've, you've gotten to this point now. You know, you're you're doing it because before – um, people would say, "Oh my God, you did this is so awesome!" And I'm in my mind, in my in my heart, I'm like, "I didn't do anything. I'm not. I don't deserve any of that." But then when I pull out my bio or my resume or my performance arts resume, and it has all these things on it, I'm like, "Oh wait a minute, I I did do this. I I, I did." And but I downplay it, and I realize that when I downplay myself, others do too. And so. Um, and now that I have someone looking at my every move and wanting to be like me and saying, oh, my God, Mommy, you did this, and oh, my God, you did that. And I'm like, okay, i gotta, I got to celebrate the progress. I have to trust the process, the process and celebrate the progress. So now I literally sometimes have to take a moment and kind of go over what I, I did this week or, you know, if I was working on a certain task, how far I've gotten. Um, and literally that's what I have to do. I'm like, you know what, you, you, you're okay. You, you, you know, you got this done, that's good. You didn't do this, not so good, but it's all right. You can, I literally have to, I know this going to sound crazy, but I literally have to talk to myself, have a talk with myself really quick, and remind myself that it's okay to celebrate every little step. Each, it's all it takes is one step forward each moment, um, and I'm in that moment focusing on the goal and um, reminding myself that I'm a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. And that's literally what I have to say to myself in order to do that. Uh, So true. Um, I do that. 
I have next to my uh, mirror in the bathroom, like the five most, I, um, I do something called a passion test. And with that, mm. it's identifying my top five passions. And then once I identify my top five passions, I create markers or evidence to show when I am living living that passion because your passion are qualitative, your markers are quantitative. It's the rubber band mm-hmm. to the wrist to say it's happening. And I have that next to my ba- um, the mirror in the bathroom, and every day when I'm looking in the mirror to brush my teeth, I read that list. And so... So when any of those things are happening, I celebrate those moments. It's like, you know, my number one is like living, enjoying this extraordinary life that I live. And I say it may not be easy. And sometimes it's very challenging. But I enjoy the moment. And when I do my happy dance, oh, I'm enjoying this this moment. And <laughs> Do you have a happy dance too? <laughs> I do have a happy dance. <laughs> and you know, I definitely have a happy dance. <laughs> I the happy dance and then I I have the, the songs and I, I when I'm driving I'm singing and I'm dancing in the car and I don't care who's looking at me and who's laughing because you know what? That's me. And you know, That's what awesome. you said about being an entrepreneur, you, you know, well, here's the thing between an entrepreneur and a worker. An entrepreneur generates and creates his or her paycheck every week. A worker mm-hmm. gets a paycheck every week. Mm-hmm. And, and every week I go out there and I create my paycheck. And I've gotten to the point now, not only do I create my own paycheck, I have others that I create their paychecks too. And that's pretty good. So, you know what? I'm that's amazing. <laughs> that's I'm amazing. <laughs> and, yes, I celebrate. And, yeah, this little thing is mine. And it's like, oh, yeah. I worked hard for that. And so celebrate those moments because they're so important. As we redesign our lives, um, we need to celebrate the little things and the big things. I never did that before. And you mentioned that. Graduation, what's that? Everybody else has a degree. I don't need to go celebrate that thing. And now... Yeah, I want to go. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, wanna, I guess I do. <laughs> and, you know, those little things will so later impact your daughter as she grows to who yes. she's going to be. And, and that's such a great example for her as you celebrate your faith. But I want to get back to the one of the first things I said that I think I heard from you is that 
and I wrote this on on the storyboard for you. It's like to the world, Mary had it all, but inside, yeah, that was, <laughs> that was not the reality <laughs> to the world. No, not at all. Um, it's funny because you know I'm the eldest of my siblings, and you know my even my close friends they all call me you know, Mama Mary, and, and the reason why is because in their mind, I have everything all together. Um, I always come through, and there's never a doubt in their mind that whatever I'm going through, I'm going to make it through, so they don't really worry about me. I've literally heard them say this. Um, and they always think I have money, always. And I'm just like, guys, hello, hi, how are you? I'm not rich. I am human. I'm not a robot. And even though sometimes I know what to do, it doesn't mean that my emotions doesn't enter the chat and I actually do it. Sometimes I still have to go through like everyone else. Um, and, hey, you know, I, I hit storms in my life too. I, I need somebody too, you know. Um, but that was kind of the narrative that I created, though, because as the eldest, I was always told you have to be an example. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. So I kind of had a double life and right. the life where – I fumbled, I went through things, and then the life that I had to present to everyone else. I called it the face of the face of flight, you know. Um, and that I put on that face of flight when I entered, you know, when I stepped out the door every single day. And out the door meaning my room, because even when I was living with someone, the moment I decided that I was leaving the mirror and leaving the door of my room, I now was operating in that face of flight. And in that face of flight, Mary's helping everyone. Mary's strong. She knows better. She's not doing this. She's not doing that. Even if she's starving, you won't know it. You know, it, it was, I was homeless, and no one knew I was homeless. I didn't, I made sure. My mother always said, you know, don't ever look like what you're going through. So I made sure that I was working, and no one knew. And so I went through, and then people would find out things way after the fact, you know, if I was helping them and it was relevant to you know, that situation. And I realized that, you know, my friends and my family, they didn't know me, you know. They didn't know the real me I, to the point where some of them didn't even know my address. Um, and I didn't realize it because it became a norm to operate like that. Um, so, yeah, on the outside, Mary had it all. Mary was making it happen. On the inside, I was literally fighting for my life. Exactly. You know, I end up, um, after my divorce, I end up writing a book. And it's um, where I came up with the name Redesigning because I was redesigning my life after the divorce. But like mm -hmm. you, I call myself a pretender. I was, mm. this, I was this way inside, but to the world, I pretended oh, everything is great, I'm not hungry, you know, um, I, I love my job, job was great. And I was like, seriously? Oh, my goodness. You know, I would go home and eat baked potatoes that are macaroni and cheese because that's how I could afford it. <laughs> I understand. But... <laughs> But I know we, all about we, that life, or, or rice with, with, with vegetables, or if you had an egg. If you had an egg, you were doing something good, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So let me ask you this one, because I know how I did this. How easy was it for you to ask for support? Oh, my gosh. It was hard. 
I, I, I can never identify with asking for support as easy. I finally came to a plateau after going through what was probably the worst year of my life, uh, physically, and mentally, and, you know, health-wise, which was 2022, and after the end of December of 2021 into the end of December of 2022, and then I almost didn't make it out of 2022, and 2023 hits, and now I'm um, having to face a decision of whether or not I'm going to have this surgery, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and I finally realized I could not do it alone. And the man that I was with, um, that I had been with for the last few years, could not take it. He couldn't take it. And I was like, if I can't handle it and I can take it, I can't expect him to take it. So now I was faced with having no choice but to reach out to the closest friends um, in order to get help. Right. Um, and it was humbling. It was beyond humbling. Um, for me, it was humiliating at first. Um, and it was so hard, so hard to look in the faces of these people who have their own families, their own, you know, things to do, and to ask them to be there for a friend, you know. Me, I look at friends as the family you choose, but not everybody sees it that way, you know, especially when they have close-knit families. And my family, um, we're not close-knit. I love them, but my blood family, we're, we're not close-knit, and... I didn't, my mother couldn't help me or protect me because she was disabled and I was the one taking care of her. My siblings, you know, they're all selfish in their own way. They live in their own individual lives. They only call me when they need me. Um, father and stepfather died. Um, so I don't really, I didn't really have that. Uh, aunts and uncles live all across the country, some out of the country, cousins, same thing. So I didn't have the family, the actual family to back me to help me. So I had to go to my mm-hmm. friends, and that was so right. humiliating and humbling, um, especially because I was scared that they weren't going to help me. And it was asking a lot, you know. Um, I had a friend tell me she needed a break from me, and I was draining because of that whole situation. I couldn't help it. I didn't get offended by it. But in their eyes, as a friend, it takes a lot of responsibility to be my friend because I had those health issues. And so, yeah, it was the hardest thing I ever had to do, but I remember praying and realizing I'm not going to survive this if I try to go through this alone. You know, I barely survived the the 2022. I'm not going to survive this if I try to do it alone. And that's what took me. I literally asked them to a meeting, did a meeting with them, and that's what took me to them. And, and finally, finally, for the first time, I asked for help. And they found out so much stuff about me. And some of them were angry because they're like, how have we been friends with you for like 20 plus years and we never knew this, you know? Why is it that you're just now, you know, saying something? Others were like, this is insane. Like, I have to help you. I don't want to, but I have to because this is like insane. So it was, a, it was a mixed reaction. And I had to take all of that, you know? I had to take all of that. Because literally some of them realized I've been sitting on my gut for 20 something years and I didn't even know. I didn't even know this, you know? It was, it was hard. It was hard. But that's how I knew I was in a, cha- a state of growth, you know. Growth doesn't happen in your comfort zone. It, it, it forces you to step out of that and change. And change is right. the only, one of the only constants in life. So, um, yeah, it was a turning point. It was definitely a turning point. And I knew so, I couldn't go back after that. I couldn't go back. So y- you grew personally 
by now recognizing something that you readily gave to others, which is help at a drop, uh, the drop of a hat. And now you had to accept help, or better yet, you had to ask for help and support. How did that change your business? Oh, man. Um, Well, it definitely put me on hold for a while because everyone, you know, uh, had kept telling me, hey, you need to slow down, you need to slow down. Every time I would pray, I would hear, you need to slow down, you need to slow down. Um, And I just wouldn't slow down. Like I said, you know, I got into an accident, got arrested, and what did I do? I started another business instead of slowing down. And I was literally operating out of no one's going to take me out. This is what I'm going to do. I'm married with these Kelly Massey. I, no one's going to keep me down. I don't have limits. This is what I'm doing. Um, and it, that pride, man, it will it will knock you down. It, it will force your body, will force you to sit down if you're not going to do it willingly. And that's what happened. Each time something happened to me, the stakes were higher. The, the injury was worse. The, you know, the challenge to fight, to claw back up was, was higher and, and harder. Um, and so finally, I had to sit down. When my daughter said she was afraid to leave me and if she lost me, no one would be here to take care of her and she would have no family, I sat down. One, I literally couldn't physically move. And two, I knew I had to sit down. And I had to reassess. I had taken on so many projects, some half done, uh, some, you know, done, but to a cost that I could no longer pay. And I now said, okay, I have to reassess in what I want to do. You know, I can't be a banker 10 hours a day, raise a child, and be an entrepreneur uh, not and, and have health issues and take care of a disabled parent, and I, I just couldn't do it. So um, it, it sat me down. It changed my business in a lot of ways. Um, put a, kind of put a pin in a few things. Other things I was able to do remotely where I didn't physically have to be, you know, there, and I could just do it via Zoom, via email, whatever. Um, but some of the stuff I was doing, I, I had to reassess. Will I regret this on my deathbed? Sounds dramatic, but those were the questions that I was asking. Will I regret not completing this project or not doing this business if I'm on my deathbed? Will this, what does it mean to me? And depending on that answer, it got the boot. Got the boot. And, yes, it, it definitely hurt me financially because, I mean, I was used to bringing in a certain amount of money. I was used to, you know, being able to do a certain amount of things. Um, so I had to down rescale my budget, downsize, uh, deciding which projects I'm going to do, deciding what businesses I'm going to keep, deciding, you know, how often I'm going to be able to be here for my daughter and what that meant, um, and trying to, I'm still trying to figure out this whole health schedule. Um, so, yeah, definitely, uh, <laughs> uh, they say entrepreneurship and, and just being a, a single working mom is not for the same part, and I say that but also having to redesign everything and rescale everything, that's also not for the things part. I've cried a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so so what's your priorities today? What are your three priorities today? Um, continuing to get closer to God, um, raising, doing my best at raising and um, this little princess and giving her a shot, a good shot at the best opportunities possible even when I'm gone and um, 
taking on initiatives that truly um, allow me to help others. Um, if it's not something that will allow me to help others or make me smile or actually make a difference, I I tend to shy away from it now. Thanks. Um, the heart of me has always been to help others. So. And is your business helping others? Um. Yes. Um, so I have um, two businesses where um, one uh, is widened consulting and tax uh, service. We do taxes, consulting work, and events. And so um, I'm helping others do that because most people don't want to do that work. <laughs> um, and they call me with questions and, and things all the time, and I just got asked to do a three-part uh, workshop today, actually. Um, so I'm working on that uh-huh. now under that business. Um, and then the other one um, is called Eclectic Gems Incorporated. And originally that company started out as um, an accessory and wellness company, but then I ended up turning it into kind of like my umbrella company where I do all these initiatives under it. I do uh, eGems USA, you know, um, and um, Eclectic um Gems as the theater, the theater initiative. I, I so under that little umbrella of Eclectic Gems Inc. I do so many things, um, whether it's the eGem community, which is basically empowering uh, people, and you know, especially people that are they feel kind of left out. Um, uh, and then I also do the theater pieces, where sometimes I still do the wardrobe styling, or just helping wherever I can behind the scenes. Um, I also do. I'm trying to go back to doing charity work with socks, snacks, and hats. Um, and I, I've always done this in 2013, so I just try to keep doing that. So Eclectic Gym has become my, my umbrella company pretty much. I do a lot of things under that. I still do gigs, you know, extra work. I just did some work for Bravo. Um, and, you know, just working on uh, a workshop book where um, sometimes I do seminars. I get invited to do seminars at conferences. So working on a book for that and then working on um, a children's book. So just my initiative is kind of broad under that umbrella. Uh, and then I have the, the finance and consultant side and the event side. So, um, But even then, I'm scaling back with that, even with that, because, like I said, I, I it has to have a bit of passion in it for me now, like, before, it was like, you know, I'm doing this because, yeah, I want to help people, but I'm good at it. So it was kind of like passion, and then if, I, if I'm good at something, and even if I had to, didn't have the passion, I'd throw it in the ring, and it's too much. So now yeah. it's, I'm only doing things and events and projects that mean something, that can help others, um, and that I won't regret. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, the reason why I asked that question is kind of I, I end up – finding myself asking basically the same question every of every guest. But when I first started my business, I had a similar approach to yours, and I called it the spaghetti approach. I was just going to throw spaghetti at the wall, and what I was, <laughs> what I was going to do. <laughs> but um, I have... Um, over the years, I've whittled down the spaghetti to maybe just two or three pieces of spaghetti. And and now my business is 
is basically one thing. And, um, you know, it's also one of my passion is to, um, my business is to create and um, create impact on the lives of others. And, and so everything I do surrounds that. If I am, if what I do is creating an impact on your life, then that makes right. sense for me. If it's not creating an impact not, on your that's life. That's why I have to cut a lot of things. That yeah. doesn't. It has to go, right? <laughs> it, it has to go. And, you know, you know it's funny. Um <clears throat> And the best way to describe it is this. Um, There are probably hundreds of vehicle models out there, but only a very few car companies. And some of them Mm -hmm. um, select to focus on only one particular niche, i.e., and I was just... Mm -hmm. Um, select Mercedes-Benz for an example. And yes, it's an automobile, but their particular focus is on high-income individuals. And they do a very good um, revenues each year just on that particular focus. You know, they don't make um, a car basically for the starter or the new driver or the new person to get the job. And um, and I think that was my approach in the beginning was that, oh, I needed everything to satisfy everybody. No. And once I narrowed it down to that um, two, two or three pieces of spaghetti in the pot, it was so much easier to see where my client was. So yeah, also- that's what I'm going to now. I know. Mm-hmm. So the ultimate question that I end up asking each week, because um, having a career stop restart is such an important part of our lives as we redesign that life to whatever it is want to be, because we usually end up redesigning our careers too. Um, Mm -hmm. So the question for you as an entrepreneur is who, who is your ideal customer? Mm. Um, it's so interesting that you just explained everything you explained because I feel like really, I have been and really going through that now. Um, I know that my purpose is to teach and inspire. I can't help it. Um, I'm the pusher behind the scenes. So many people can credit me for pushing them and teaching them behind the scenes, and now they're in these amazing careers. Or, you know, every time someone comes at home, they learn something. They're inspired. Um, they learn from the good and the bad, and I'm just really, really honest about it. Um, so I know that I can't help it. No matter where I go, I'm supposed to teach and inspire and help. Um, and so my ideal, um, I would say, customer is someone who, and I won't even say customer, because sometimes it's, you know, <laughs> so I, say, I would say client or uh, mentee, but um, it's someone who is looking to be inspired, who's yearning, who has a yearning for knowledge, who um, wants tangible uh, tools that they can take and 
and, and help them to redesign their own life or make better choices or um, something that will bring them, he wants joy. He realizes that happiness and joy, they're choices that we make moment to moment in our lives. Um, that would be someone who also wants to help someone else. Um, okay. That would gatekeep that help. I would say that would be the person that I appeal to, the person that I want to, you know, reach ultimately. Sounds fabulous. I love that. So, um, as you heard, 90 seconds left. So, how does someone get in touch? Oh, um, I'm everywhere. (laughs) Um, I have my, literally everywhere, everywhere and nowhere at the same time. They call me socially private. That's literally what they call me. Um, I can be reached on Instagram. Um, I have a a number of Instagram, but my personal Instagram is mlkulade, is at mlkulade. I know it's it's cheesy. (laughs) Uh, My Twitter, or what's now known as X, is at mlkhey. Um, my Facebook is Mary L. K. Massey, and um, my bookings email is marylkbookings at gmail.com. So I'm always reachable um, on any of those, across any of those platforms, um, and I do respond, uh, and yeah. All right, <laughs> Mary, we have 10 seconds. I thank you so much, and I will take care, and peace and progress to you, and Join us next time on Thank you so much for having me. All right. Bye-bye. Good luck, and thank you so much. Bye.